Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of But Now We Said It. I saved the best guest for the season two finale of the podcast. You guys may know him as the king of reality TV, the most, you know, sought out reality TV producer in the game. He's done... From Bravo, we've got Real Housewives of Atlanta, Real Housewives of New Jersey, Don't Be Tardy, I Dream of Nene. We've got some love in hip-hop Atlanta. Most recently, we've had the two. He was EP of The Encore, which if you did not catch that on BET, it's great. It featured, it took me back to old school girl groups that I fell in love with including Black Shamari DeVoe. We got Irish Amisha from 702. We had the Cherish Twins. We had Pamela Long from Total. We had Aubrey O'Day from Danity Kane and Keely from 3LW, which they, if you watch, you know, we get a new girl group called Blueprint. And finally, Love and Marriage Huntsville, which I am new to. And I fell in love with after this man hosted a wild reunion in season three. And he is now bringing on our sis Monique Samuels for Love and Marriage DC. Carlos <laughs> King, everybody. Honey, that it long? was long but true. <laughs> yes. That's the best introduction ever. Thank you. We've got that resume on lock up here. You have done the most and we thank you. For all of your service, of course. So tell us, how did we get into reality TV business? What drew you to this? You know what's so funny? I always loved information, soap operas, Oprah Winfrey talk show. Like I was just like this gay kid who just absorbed anything that was dramatic, funny, interesting. Dynasty, Knott's Landing, Oprah Winfrey Talk Show, Young and the Restless, The Bold and Beautiful, Days of Our Lives. Little did I know that I would have a career in this media because reality TV wasn't out back in the day. I'm a little older. So it wasn't <laughs> until I, I moved to New York from Detroit, Michigan. I was working at BET on this show called 106 and Park. Yes, back um, in the day. Yes, with pre and AJ. Yes. <laughs> no shade, because that's me back in the day, and too. <laughs> so at that time, in around 2008, the biggest reality show was The Hills. Oh, yes. Honey, I was Team Lauren Conrad. I was all about the drama with Hottie Montauk and Spencer Pratt. I have a secret. What? I never watched The Hills. <gasps> Listen, I'm assuming you watch Selling Sunset. Oh, I love, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, honey, you, you got to watch the blueprint. I know. Oh, I know. Speak blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> so no, so listen, whenever you have like a weekend, because let's be clear, girl, it's like 20 minutes, an episode, three seasons. You can watch it on a weekend. Like you- I'll have to try it out. You'll love it. So I was obsessed with that reality show. A friend of mine had an opportunity to work on this reality show in Atlanta. She knew I was obsessed with the Hills. She called me and said, would you be interested in doing this reality show called Ladies of Hot Atlanta? <laughs> and I was like, okay. And she said, but girl, you got to move to Atlanta. 
because we need locals only. We're not paying for people to travel. And, you know, I was like, I'm not going to make any money, but should I follow this dream that I think I have? And that show turned out to be The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And that was my first foray into reality TV. Incredible. Now, let's settle this now. Who put Housewives on the map? So look, I'll give you the technical answer, but and I'll give you the real life answer, right? Okay, I'm ready. Obviously, if OC would have flopped, there wouldn't be any franchise, right? So you got to give the respect to OC. They started it, um, and because they were great, they allowed other cities to be given the green light. However, comma. <laughs> Atlanta Housewives made it a pop culture phenomenon because prior to that, OC wasn't mainstream. Right. OC, right, right, right. you know, it was New York wasn't mainstream because when I started Atlanta in 2008, New York was airing a few months after we were filming that show. And me and Nene and Sheree would watch it and be like, these bitches are boring. Like, we're boring. <laughs> At that time, they were arguing over, like, Alec McCord's, like, nude photos. Like, or, yes. or, or Simon being in women's business. You know, like, Mimi and Peter had, whatever. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> I digress. Stop being so, a bitch. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and, and I'm going to say this to you. I remember, Steve, when Atlanta aired, you know you made it when you are parodied on Saturday Night Live. So they're talking about whatever, whatever, whatever. I will never forget this. And then one of the actors said, girl, I gotta go because the real Housewives of Atlanta is on. <laughs> and we were all like, wait a second. This is iconic Saturday Night Live just gave Atlanta a shout out. And that's when we all said, bitch, this show put that franchise on the map. Well, now we've settled it. And or I should say, but now we said it. <laughs> I also yeah. I'm picking up on. So I watched, which I also think this show. I don't know where it went and where it, it needs to come back. But Andy Cohen then and now, I think you were interviewed on that. But basically, you are the Nene Leaks kind of copied you in a set or adapted. Some of your mannerisms. Well, we won't say copied. We'll say adapted. There you go. Um, and I'm hearing the boop boop. And that just is reminding me that is absolutely true. She definitely did. <laughs> I can hear it. That's my girl. Yes. I love it. So Atlanta got you in and you worked on Atlanta. And then did you go into Jersey at the same time? I'm going to give you a funny story. I don't think I've ever said this story to anybody. So you have the exclusive. So I'm ready. I like to be honest. Hey, that's why. Yeah, yeah. So I taped Atlanta, the first season of Real Housewives of Atlanta, we taped for maybe three months. Mm-hmm. So when you're a reality producer, you're called a freelancer. So you hop on show to show. Right. right, right, um, right. Until the, your other show comes back. So I, I did Atlanta Housewives for three months. I quit my job in, at BET. Mm-hmm. So a girl was like, what am I going to do next? So when I got back to New York City, I got a job working on Tim Gunn's Guide to Style. It lasted for only two seasons. So the second season was like 
the last Hail Mary. So I just did Atlanta. The producer said, oh, he has a Bravo credit. So let's hire him. I was miserable because that show was about like helping people in their fashion. Like I, after Atlanta Housewives, I want to work on a show where a bitch gets red. I need to feel something. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Come on, flip a table, do something. (laughs) I was there for two weeks, miserable. And I kept saying to myself, you should quit. Quit, quit. And I was like, Carlos, don't quit. Quitters never win, right? Because you're taught that in school. Like, quitters never win. Girl, why did they fire me? <gasps> Not that. I got fired. <laughs> I got fired. They said, you're not great. <laughs> Long story short, they said, you're getting, we're going to fire you. You're not good at this job. <laughs> but we're going to pay you for the week. But you can leave today. Bye. That was on a Monday. Bye, bitch. That was on a Monday. On Wednesday, I got a phone call, right? So mind you, I'm, I'm, I'm jobless. I got a phone call on Wednesday. A phone call two days later. Hey, um, it's this new show for Bravo being shot in New Jersey. It could be the Housewives. We don't know yet. Are you interested? I said, sign me up. And, and that's when I started. That's when I started New Jersey Housewives. Incredible. One thing I got to also give a shout out to Dave Quinn's book, All Diamonds and Rosé. Something that I will have ingrained in my mind forever now is an image of you under the table getting ready to hand Danielle Staub cop without a badge. Can we say commitment from a producer? That is commitment, bitch. If you haven't read the book, you have to. All Diamonds and Rosé by Dave Quinn. It, (laughs) Carlos... In our legendary, well, I'll let you tell the story. You were there. I'm on New Jersey. The scandal arose about Danielle being in this book. Danielle found out through Jacqueline that they were talking about this book. T. <laughs> yes, buddy. Yes, Jack. So, <laughs> so Danielle said, I want to bring the book to the finale dinner. I'm like, okay, fine. How are we going to do this? You can't walk in with the book. You're wearing a, a, a LBD, a little, mm-hmm. a little black dress. You can't, you can't hide the book. And she said, I'm going to hand you the book. And you let me know when you want me to bring the book on the table, put it on the table. So she handed me her black purse. The book was inside. She walks in. I grab a purse. She walks into the cameras, sits down. We may have been shooting for maybe two hours. Nothing was happening. And me and the producer said, okay, it's time for her to bring up the book. I had the black purse. I crawled under the table so that no one could see me. I placed the book, I'm sorry, the purse next to Danielle's ankle. I tapped her ankle to give her a signal. (laughs) That bitch, here's the book. She tapped me back with her ankle to my, you know, arm. I... Crawl back into the producer's room. Danielle, so when you watch that scene, you will see how Danielle reaches under the table. Yes, yes, yes. Like, I'm remembering it now. Would I have ever thought anything of it then? No, but now that's all I can, like, see. I can eat. I know, I know. 
we do Atlanta and Jersey. I'm curious, what is one some of the biggest myths, I think, of reality TV that you're here to debunk? It really isn't scripted. And, and listen, I know that people really do think that these women or men, for that matter, behave because they're being told how to behave. I, I never could compute how anyone would say this is scripted. Because it, you watch it, you can tell it's real. So that I never understood that debate. Stop giving producers a bad rap. Like we're not these horrible people who are so maniacal that we're able and capable of telling a grown-ass, educated woman how to behave for the little money she's getting being on the show doesn't make any sense, people. I cannot force anybody. So those are the two biggest misconceptions. It's really real. Producers are not bad people. And and to further prove that, just like you said, if I didn't commit to making sure the book was a part of the conversation, you guys would have said, cancel Jersey. Nothing's happening. They're not talking about anything great. I'm bored. That's true. That's true. Would you say to those people that say like it's scripted, this is whenever people tell me this, I, I'm always like, you know, I've been to events where I've seen filming going on and it's not scripted at all. Is there going to be a moment where maybe you'd say, Oh, so-and-so is talking over there. Go join the conversation. Maybe is that something? 100%. But that's One. not scripted. That's, just, that's not scripted. Yeah. It's, 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 listen, you got to move a story along. You're telling a story. Thank you. Yes. Everybody has a role in the mechanics of the machine of reality TV and scripted. So, but let me talk about reality. We all play a role in this. There there has to be a producer because we're able to drive the engine in terms of what conversations are happening. But we don't tell them what to say. So, yes, a perfect example would be, like, people may say, well, Carlo, it's scripted. You handed her the book. No, it's not scripted. She wanted to do it. You gave her the book. Whatever happened after that was all them. Yeah. Me telling Teresa, I don't think I ever ever said this to anybody. So when Teresa chased Danielle down the country club at Kim D's posh fashion show, hi, Kim D. I know you're listening. We love me some Kim Um, D. (laughs) Love some Kim D. So when you watch that scene, remember, Teresa and Jacqueline are sitting near the bathroom in a chair in the hallway waiting for Danielle to come out the bathroom. That's because I told Teresa, we've been filming for three hours. Can you at least say hello? I don't want to talk to that bitch. I said, Teresa, (laughs) just say hello. Okay, fine. So when she walks out, hi, Danielle, and the rest is history. Again, I didn't tell her what to say in terms of like how to react. I said, just say hello. It's a a, 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 a hello. That's history, baby. Yes. I'm obsessed with that. Well, that's the job of producer. You have to move move things along. So this is, that makes me think, what is your thoughts on the housewives that try to adapt the producer role on the show? So, inside T for you and the and the listeners, every franchise has a housewife 
that is the unofficial producer of that franchise. And what I mean by that is if they're a great example, Housewives are known for the iconic dinner scenes and iconic vacations. The housewife who, who is like the unofficial producer, when she's at a dinner scene, she looks around and she goes, something needs to happen. The crew has been shooting for two hours and nothing's happening. Let me bring up something to keep things going. Or let me throw somebody under the bus. Kyle Richards. Again, this may be an unpopular opinion. I don't give a shit. Kyle Richards is one of my all-time favorite housewives. Not the greatest. My favorite. She was so Because she understands how to be the unofficial producer and drive the story forward. She throws Dorit under the bus. She throws Sutton under the bus. She throws her own sister under the bus. She knows how to keep the conversations going. So in last season, Beverly Hills, which by the way, Beverly Hills low-key has been consistently great. We'll talk about that later. Consistently great since who was gone? I didn't think about I didn't put two and two together. Weird. It's so shocking. All of a sudden, the seasons got so much better. Because Lisa, I'll say, Lisa Vanderpump really thought she was the producer. So let me tell you the difference. This is good. Oh, I love it. This is good. The difference between Kyle and Lisa Vanderpump is Kyle doesn't mind on camera saying how she feels, throwing people under the bus, that dinner scene at Kathy Hilton's house. By the way, I love Erica Jane, but we'll talk about that later. Or when what? Kyle told Sutton, yeah, or what? Or, or what? But no, but when Kyle told Sutton, no, that's not what you said. You actually said this, and you need to be honest. That's a producer. That's the difference. What Lisa Vanderpump was doing was trying to be diabolical behind the scenes and appear on camera like, what do you mean? I, I would Say it again for all of the LVP stands in the back. (laughs) I don't understand why they stand her. She's not great. This is, and here's the thing, like I, and this is why I feel like I can even say all of this is I've been, I used to be like an LVP. Like I thought she was the greatest. She was everything. And I believed for the longest time. I believed like, oh, I don't understand why these women want to take her down, all this stuff. And then slowly as the seasons go on, the, the rose colored glasses come off. Right. And then there's just behaviors that you're like, I mean, I can't defend. You're doing it. Like, you're doing it. And the work of Kyle Richards is indefensible. (laughs) Your behavior is (laughs) indefensible. Another hot take, which a lot of people, I feel like there's some people that'll agree with this, but it's a hot take. I actually think the reason Beverly Hills has been as successful as it was, especially from the early, because of Kim Richards. Oh. I will die on that hill. No, listen. The Richards sisters are definitely the, the reason why the show... I mean, Andy even said they're the reason the show got greenlit, number one. But you got to give those girls their props. Kim Richards is super underrated to me. I don't think she gets the props she deserves because I think a lot of people just felt sorry for her with her addiction. But I think it takes away from her relevance to that franchise and what she delivered, what she did in Amsterdam. So cool, calm, and collected, how she gathered the girls and and wasn't afraid of them, how she went against her own sister and said something about her goddamn house, 
how she was able to check Brandy season two, right? You're doing coke in the bathroom. Like, Kim Richards is underrated, and I think she's part of the reason why it is the show's successful. One thing that people also forget is Miss Kim. She has been on the show every season except one as either a friend or full-time. And there's a reason they keep bringing her back. Pay her her coins. Give her that damn diamond now. Come on. Do you want Brandy back? Or is she desperate? I think Brandy played her cards wrong. Here's where I think, as if I had producer eyes right now, this is what Brandy did wrong. She came on, she made a little cameo on season nine when Denise came on. Season 10, she should have warmed up to the group, held on to that little nugget of information that she decided to reveal. Get back into the group. Be, don't be on an island. These people, I mean, these girls don't care about you. Let's be real. They enjoyed you for what you brought, but they're not here to like bring you back on the show. No, because you're too unpredictable. You're too unpredictable. And, 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 and I'll say it. It's Kyle's show. Oh, for sure. And you have to kiss the ring. And what she did is she revealed her cards way too early. She didn't play her cards right. I actually think had all of that been sort of held back, I would. I think we would see her back on the show. And I think maybe last season, in the midst of all of the Erica Jane drama, we may have seen some Brandy and Denise drama. And Denise would still maybe be on the show. I have another hot take. Denise, terrible real housewife. Oh, I don't think that's unpopular. I think it's, I think we all know. Listen, what's similar about Lisa Vanderpump and Denise Richards is I don't want a housewife who can't take the heat. Say what you want about Kenya Moore. She has stood her ground and had women throw so much shade at her. And 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 she, but she she was a force on her own. She Kenya Moore has never walked away from a fight. Oh, ever. I can I can debunk that. Uh, Sheree. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you power walked out. I <laughs> love Sheree. I love it. Oh, you're so good. Real quick, we have to take a break. How do you feel about the friends role? Because my opinion on the friends role is one of the most, uh, it's one of the most underrated roles and it's so necessary. And I feel like Bravo on a lot of other franchises hasn't really like jumped into it enough. And I think a lot of the women too, of course, they're like, you know, I'm either going to be full time or whatever. Oh yeah. It's an ego thing. It's an ego Mm -hmm. thing. However, there's four people that I give a pass that cannot, like, I think they deserve to be a full-time housewife, whether they have a storyline or not. And that's Sheree, Tamara Judge, Melissa mm. Gordon, and mm-hmm. who was my fourth one? Shit. Um, Is it Kim Richards? Well, Kim Richards, she needs to be back forever. You want to find me. Okay. Yeah, she needs to, yeah. Wait, what? There was, well, I'll give you those three. There was a fourth, and I'm blanking on who it is right now. New but, York City? You didn't mention New York. New York housewife? No. Miami? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, New York. Sonia. 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 Yeah, those four. You are so smart. I don't think Sonia should be an apple holder. Really? I think I think Sonia should be friend of permanently. She has no storyline. 
So I agree, but there's something. So that's what I say about like with Tamara by the end, she didn't have any storyline, but I think she is an asset to that show. She like, and it shows. And, yes, exactly. And then Melissa Gorga, there's so much hate on Melissa Gorga and it drives me insane because let's be honest, Teresa wouldn't have a storyline without Melissa Gorga either. They need each other. They need, they're a symbiotic. It's like Harry Potter and Voldemort. Yeah. You need them. Melissa Gorga. And if you guys are listening, I'm sorry to bust your bubble if you hate her. As long as Teresa's on the show, Melissa isn't going anywhere. And I hope you guys know that. Especially because she married Joe Gorga. Like that, she's never going away without one another. Like they they need that. They and they need Joe Gorga part of it. Because at the end of the day, no matter what happens, and maybe I'm alone in this. I think it's still funny when they shade each other. Like when Teresa said, oh, she's not a bridesmaid. And you're like, Teresa, that's like, that's like bad. <laughs> and like, you know damn well, if it was reverse, oh, Teresa would drag that on for months. I will never tire of the Teresa versus Melissa. Even on Ultimate Girls Strip, I enjoy when they dig her. Oh, I thought her and Teresa and Melissa were amazing on Girls Trip. I mean, I've always loved Melissa. Teresa, I have a really hard time with because I just oh, I love it. her. I know, I know. You literally can put something in front of her. And she still doesn't see it. And like she, you can tell her that grass is green or the sky is blue and show her. <laughs> and it's damn purple every single time to her. And it's just so stupid to me. <laughs> But I get it. I understand her place of the show. That's the thing is I think people sometimes when people give their opinions on like cast members or the show, just because they may not vibe or un doesn't mean they don't understand their place on the show. And I, I understand Teresa's role in the show. And I she's a huge value to the show. Do I really like her? Not necessarily. But I understand her. To me, when you're part of an ensemble, it's sort of like when you're working as a team in anyone's regular job. Everybody has a role. And I, so going back to your earlier point, I agree with you that the friend of role isn't a slap in the face, but I will say this to you behind the scenes, T. The reason why these housewives do not want to be friends to the show is because behind the scenes, the, the housewives throw that in their face. Oh. Oh. They they diminish them. Uh, so like if there's a scene happening, they'll sometimes break the fourth wall and be like, "Girl, shut up! You're a friend to the show." Anyway, and oh, I have been privy. I've been privy to arguments that have never made air. Can we uh, spill any of those on who they may be? I mean, we. The good thing about Atlanta is there's only been a handful of friends up, and it happened to all of them. So <laughs> I'm just saying, honey. Ask, ask Marlo. Oh. Marlo has been shaded by the girl. Girl, shut up! You're a friend to the show, girl. Girl, whatever. You're so pussy for a peach right now, and I would be so, I would be so mad and say, stop saying that. When you are a friend to the show, baby, you got to be a. The thing is this. It's worse if you're demoted to a, you know, okay, I'm going to say this. It's sort of like getting held back in, in, in school. 
in, in, in your grade. Like, let's say you're, you're in the seventh grade and you and, and, and you and your friends are about to graduate and your friends go to eighth grade. If it's a no bitch, you're back in seventh grade. You got held back. Like, you feel some kind of way and they will always shade you. So it's, it's different when you come on as a friend because you're trying to earn your key and you can take the shade. They still shade you. You can take it. But it's one thing when you're peach less or what we like to call it when you're in. Oh, oh, I have a question. Speaking of Atlanta friends, because they have some of the best. Fr- they just don't make friends of like they used to, by the way. They don't. New Jersey, Kim G, I think is severely underrated as a friend. But Atlanta, I love, love Tammy McCall Browning. I love Shamia Morton. And I think those two honestly need needed more featuring. I want Shamia as full time. Yeah, no, Tammy for sure. I want Shamia full time. I would love that. Her husband won't let it happen. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I know. He he will not let it happen. Unfortunately, I feel like anytime she's in, brought on these trips or in the scenes, she brings a lot of fun and just fun energy. But she can also read a girl down if she needs to. Oh, she can read. Oh, yeah. She can read. She can read. I would love more Shamia, but I get it. Yeah, husband won't let her. Do you think we'll see ever see a return of Nini to the Atlanta Housewives? I'm hopeful because I know how much that show means to her, even, even today. You know, that show means a lot to her. She was somebody, when she was on the show, she always, even when she used to get in her own way, and we all do, right? She always did what was best for the show. Like, she understood the assignment. You know what I mean? So it's sad to see where she's at now in terms of her relationship with the show. But mm-hmm. I do think, if the I'll say this much, if the opportunity came knocking, I think she'll accept. I have so much respect for, and as much as I drag Lisa Vanderpump and I drag, sometimes I'll drag Nene and, and Vicky a little bit. I have respect for what they brought and everything. The problem is I just wish they could get out of their own way. I feel like those three are huge examples of three people getting in their own way and like not recognizing that we fell in love with those people for a reason and letting the success or the ego take over a little bit or getting like LVP. She definitely got the game became too much of a game for her versus actually just being her. Yeah. To the point where it wasn't, listen, it's hard to work every day with somebody when you know, they're, they have the potential to conspire against you. And I feel bad for Kyle that, you think this woman is your friend only to question whether or not she told Brandy to put the tabloid in her purse. Like, who wants to work with someone like that? Like, it's one thing if you do it on camera, then you're like, okay, let's talk about it. Like, well, and that's my other point. I was like, you just own it. Say, yes, I did. Yes, I did. If she would have said, yeah, I I did that because I wanted to make sure we had a good season. What can you say? Right. Okay. That is my biggest like takeaway for if any housewife is listening, that is my biggest thing is like, if you just own anything that's considered bad behavior, if you own anything shady, the viewers aren't going to run away from you. 
that's what we do want to see it. We want to see that stuff. But for me, I just need you to own a little bit of it. You know, we know what you're doing. Don't make us think that we're stupid. <laughs> that's why Lisa Renna is great because she, they do coke in your bathroom. Like, damn. <laughs> that was just out of the blue. Did she do an interview where she said they were filming for many hours and she had to go pee or she had to go home or something? And she said, I, I sent all this information. So to your point, when she did this? Yeah. She literally was like, um, well, I have to get going, but I just want to get a few things off my chest. And she's just leaned over. She's like, were people doing coke in your bath? Did that whole thing and then got up and leave. <laughs> and said, my job here is done. Well, the thing is this. Every every franchise knows that you need a necessary evil. And one thing I will say to you is every franchise, even if they say on camera, like, she's such a bitch and I hate her, they appreciate the villain. Totally. That's how you know you're a good housewife, if you can appreciate your co-stars who are doing some of the shady work. Oh, I'm, I want your take on this. For Salt Lake City, you know, a brand new franchise, right? These women are going to have to work hard without Mary M. Cosby. And I think everybody on that show knows it, that Mary M. Cosby, you just put her in a room, you have no idea what's about to come out. She may be in a great mood. She may not. She may want to read you. She may want to tell you literally something completely. She may start talking to her mannequins in front of you. It is a show, though, anytime Mary M. Cosby is there, and it takes the workload off of everybody else, because there's one common sort of firecracker, essentially, or a wild card. No, 100%. And I, I said this to another host last week, even going as far as saying, if Jen goes to jail, cancel the show. I don't want to see a show where... It's the rest of them, because what am I going to watch? You know, when I watched season one of Salt Lake City, it was evident that it was Jen Shaw's show. Like, it was it was no question. It was like, it's her show. Okay, whatever. Ooh. Oh, it was no question. Really? It was no question. It was her show. Uh, but but I'll, I'll say this. And then Mary also played a big part in it. It's sort of like Atlanta season one. We all knew it was Mimi Kimishere, right? We all knew Nene was the face of it, but without Kim and Sheree, you, 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 you can't bring out the best of Nene. Yes. Without Mary, Jen had nothing to work with or, or vice versa. So they were the best thing that happened to that show. So when Mary's most iconic moments to me was on the trip, season two, when she <laughs> stared down Whitney Rose and looked at her in disgust and said, <laughs> women. Women. <laughs> I caught it. I was looking at her like, that wasn't even a trying moment. No, it wasn't. And that's the genius of the Bravo producer, and that's the genius of the Bravo editors. Because any other show would have been like, oh, she's just staring at her. No. The, if you watch that scene again, I watched it a couple of times. Oh, I've watched it's, it plenty. <laughs> it's the music. It's the... Dun, 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 dun. You know, like you're anticipating something. And Whitney's little slow walk in the red dress. <laughs> so, listen, without Mary being there, you guys have to work twice as hard. 
But with Jen, if I'm sorry, if Jen has to go away, it's going to be even harder. So I'll disagree on the fact that I don't think the first season was the Jen Shaw show. I actually thought she was unbearable in her first season. I thought she was too like try like it was just too try hard for me. She, oh, she definitely tried too hard. But what I will say about Salt Lake City that's different than the rest of the franchises for me is I genuinely like every cast member on that show. I see what they bring to the franchise and I enjoy them. Oh, love Meredith. Love, love, love. I love Meredith. This may sound unpopular. Sorry, fans. I'm not a big Heather fan. I don't dislike her, but I'm not like, oh, Heather Gay. It's whatever. Whitney Rose is whatever to me. I really do like Meredith and Lisa. I do like them. I love Jen and Mary. I have to say with with Whitney, though, I'm curious your opinion as a producer. I actually think, especially in the second half of the season, she did a phenomenal job of moving that damn story. So all the people that are hating on Whitney Rose, rewatch Every dinner, everything, she moves the story, she lands the plane for everybody. And because there has been a lot of times where things are just not wrapping up and moving on. She is a phenomenal sort of producer in a sense. I'll say this though. She clocked into work on that trip. I will give you that. No, I'll go further. I (laughs) I thought she was great on the bus. Oh, phenomenal. Right? I was like, well, that's the thing. I don't dislike them, but I thought she she warmed up to me. You're right. Starting the bus until the end of the season, I was like, okay, mind you, I don't don't care about this. But you could tell that she was either told, like, girl, you got to do something. Because all of a sudden, she was in the mess. And I was like, oh. I just remember, like, at some point in the middle of this long-ass season, I was like, holy shit, Whitney is moving things along. Like, she is a professional doing the work. And I didn't feel like people were... I feel like people were looking at it as just being messy and not recognizing how good it was that she was moving shit along. Oh, no. It was it was great. Listen, I will say this. To me, the top of season two started off very slow. In the words of Meredith Marks, I disengaged from watching the top half of the season. But the moment Jen Shaw got arrested, I was hooked because I was like, this is a Netflix true crime series. Oh, she 100% thinks she's going to get a Netflix series, I'm sure. And the rest of the season did not miss a beat. Can I tell you some tea that obviously has changed now, but... Guess what the next cast trip was supposed to be? Jen's trial. Oh, because her trial was March something. March March eleventh. Or yeah, some sometime in March, and they were gonna all go to New York for a cast trip for the trial. Can I ask you this? Do you think they are kicking themselves that they started production so soon, only for it to fucking be in July? I absolutely think so because they weren't able to. They shot that reunion so quick in the beginning of January, so they didn't catch the Jenny stuff, which it's very unfortunate that that couldn't be addressed because that, I feel like, had a lot of... I think it gives... Hindsight is 2020, and it gives a lot of perspective with the Mary of it all, with Jenny and Mary. 
I never, I thought, I, I never liked Jenny. I thought she was never. fine. Yeah, I did. I thought, you know, listen, I don't mind you being thirsty. I thought, because listen, if you're on TV, you should be thirsty. Give me a show. I want to watch something. Housewives better be a narcissist in some level. I tell people all the time, if you're not over the top or delusional, stay off my television screen. I don't want to see you. But yeah, but something off about Jenny. I was just like, I don't know. There's something off about her. I want to like her, but I can't. So yeah, it was so interesting. You watching Jen, she believes she's innocent. Like, she believes her own stuff, right? Like, I can't figure out if she is like so far deep in and she's delusional to believe her own stuff or is she really innocent? (laughs) I I mean, I said it two minutes ago. You got to be delusional. She's delusional because... I think a normal person would have said, you know what? Let me go deal with this. This is my real life. I'm not sure I want you guys to document this. (laughs) Let me deal with this. And for someone to say, listen, I'm no attorney, but for somebody made a good point. If the FBI has been investigating you for months or years, they really must have a good case against you. And for two people in your camp to already plead guilty. Way more than that, even. Yeah, that's not a good sign that they said we made a boo-boo with you. Real quick, we have to take a break. So how, as a reality TV producer, so say you were the producer for that season or any, the upcoming season, or an Erica Jane situation, or any season where Teresa with all of, you know, the feds and everything, the Salahis with the DC housewives, do you find these salacious stories with the law like that helpful or hurtful as a reality TV producer? Listen, for me, I believe in longevity. So I think it's hurtful when it's the actual cast member that's on the front lines of it. I think the difference between Jen Shaw and Erica Jane is Erica Jane isn't accused of doing the crime. She's, let's be clear, she's guilty by association. That's, that's what it is. I actually don't think she knew anything. I don't think she knew anything. I think she said, I can spend what and do what? Whatever, I'll do it. I don't think she knew, like, you're stealing money from orphans. I don't think that. So to me, if this a if it's an Erica Jane situation, I love giving other producers their props. The way Beverly Hills producers tracked that story with Erica Jane, they did it in the most per it was flawless. It was flawless. And it did not take away from the show. The ratings proved it, right? The ratings were it skyrocketed. Like, even Erica Jane, remember that cliffhanger where she's walking up the steps? Erica Jane has become one of my favorites because I don't know another woman who could have faced that situation head on, especially someone who who sort of coasted the other seasons by being, you know, doing nothing. So the fact that your world unraveled and you didn't seclude yourself, you said, come on. When she told Dorit, look at me. No, no, look at me. And Dorit's like, oh, babe. I, the amount of things I felt during last season, like the emotions, it's been a while since I've been that, like, I need the next episode now. Chef's kiss. It was, listen, I, 
I loved the Denise Richards season, the Bravo, Bravo, fucking Bravo. I love that season. It was in the middle of the pandemic. So we were all like, entertain me, bitch. I'm tired yes. of watching Tiger King. Entertain me. <laughs> but that Erica Jane season with Sutton and Garcelle and Kyle, that season deserves an award. Garcelle came in flawlessly. Yes. Flawlessly. And the reason why Sutton worked is because she, and this is why I always tell people, because people are like, what do you look for in a reality star? I'm like, the biggest misconception is like this over-the-top character. Like, you gotta, no. Sutton and Garcelle are not over-the-top. They're not loud. They're not boisterous. But they're honest and they're present. And Sutton, to me, represented a large community of upper-class, rich, older, white women who question whether or not they should be associated with someone who's doing this crime. And the fact that she allowed herself to be honest about it, I loved it because I'm like, Kathy Hilton feels the same way. She doesn't have the guts to say it. Yeah. I See, that's my biggest... I think that's... The housewives that I am so drawn to are the honest. And I think a lot of people think some of the housewives are as honest all the time, but they're not. But the honesty is what makes a star, in my opinion. It does not have to be the biggest storyline, the biggest this, the biggest that. That's why Kyle Richards is the perfect example of Kyle Richards is never getting fired. Oh, no. She'll leave unless she wants to go. That's literally it. It's her show. She keeps everyone honest. And she has this weird place with the women where they really do respect her. Like, even on Atlanta, Jersey, I've never seen it to where other alpha women respect her position on the show. And they don't question it. And they're they're not threatened by it. I'm sure you've seen, and you felt the same way because you said Beverly Hills hasn't been, you know, so good in so long. One of my questions, I was questioning sort of, I don't think it for the for a while, like necessarily it was a lot the women, whereas I felt like production maybe was relying on one storyline each season versus breaking it up with other things. Do you, I felt I kind of feel like that's that was a production sort of like choice. Yeah. Would you sort of agree with that? It's a little bit of both. I was listening to an interview that the producer of Beverly Hills said, and mind you, that company produces OC and Beverly Hills. And he said the difference between OC and Beverly Hills is OC puts it out there. He said Beverly Hills keeps it close to their chest and it's hard to get it out. So I think because, remember, and this is a good example, when Dorit was confronted at the pool by this woman saying, bitch, oh yeah, yeah. They never, they never aired, they never played it. It's because, and the producer said, it's because the other women made a pact not to talk about it. Not to bring it up. So I do think it's a little bit of both. I think the producers are only, they can only give the audience what they're given by the women. But that's the reason why on that show, the women feel like, oh, let's hone in on you. But I must say, and I'm shocked to even say this, I'm not mad that there's like one major storyline. Because to me, as a producer and a fan, I, I tell people this all the time, each housewife has their own DNA that works for them. Jersey is family, which is why Teresa and Melissa will always be on the show. 
Atlanta is firecracker, read a bit, shade, all that. New York is very like, you know, sex in the city on steroids, right? Whereas Beverly Hills, they really do concentrate on one big scandal. And I don't mind it. And it's the the lavish to the luxury. They lo- it's like real estate. Oh, yeah, no. modern. Like they have yeah. all the money in the world kind of deal. Money and the access. And 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 listen, I'll admit this, and I said this before. I like that you get to see how these rich upper class white women deal with situations that we can only imagine what it's like because it reminds us of, of soap operas of the dynasty era. And and that's why that show works that way. My hot take on legal things is I, I feel like I see online a lot of viewership being angry about, well, why aren't we asking questions about this, asking questions about that? However, I'm thinking about it in a way where they're not going to be able to answer a lot of the stuff anyway. It's one of those things where you have to find the balance because remember how Camille Grammer confronted the read and said, I know things about you, what your husband's going through. You don't know anything. Oh, but it's true. What her iconic line? Oh, it's true. It's true. So for me, that's a moment of, and, and listen, I don't mind if a if a housewife says, look, bitch, I can't talk about a lot of that, but let me tell you this, bitch, is this, is this, is that. Stay out of my fucking business. Like, give, that's the way to do it. Instead of, bravo, bravo, fucking bravo. <laughs> if I was in these, I would have said, stay out of my panties, bitches. Literally, that's all she had to do that season. She All she had to say is, my sex life's none of your business. All right, can I get into some fan questions for you? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. Well, these are two just comments, not necessarily questions. Jay Denny underscore 2030 said, please come back and save housewives, please. Jay Joseph Johnston said, thanks so much for wanting to bring Sheree back. That's all. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Salva. Cambranes on Twitter asked if he was approached to take over Roni with his production company, what changes would he make? I would bring Bethany back. I would grovel, beg, borrow, steal to give Bethany back. I would give whatever she wants with interest. What I miss about New York is, and I think a lot of people miss this too, I, I, I enjoy their personal stories. Like, I felt like we were cheated when we really didn't, we, we did not get a chance to see the destruction of Ramona and Mario's marriage. Like, really see it. See the process, the tough conversations, the why, the courts, all of that. You know, like, I missed that. The reason why Luann was great, because Luann gave you, like, I was arrested, bitch. And she, ha- she was the comeback kid with the cabaret. Real Housewives intros wants to know... Who does he think is the queen bee and face of each franchise? I think of all time, OC is Vicky, Atlanta's Nini, Atomic's Giselle. I know, gag. I'm sorry. I, I love Karen too. I think, I think it's Giselle. Jersey's Teresa. New York is Bethany. Miami is Alexia. Oh, Salt Lake City is Jen. Dallas was Leanne Locken. It was. I literally, I don't know what I did or what made me do this, but the other day I watched the season one reunion out of nowhere and it was so, like, she was so wild. (laughs) Is it true that you threatened to kill Marie? Well, yes, but. (laughs) 
Oh, poor Marie. Poor Marie. Like, I literally was just blown away. Is it true that you shit in a basket in the back of a car? Yes. It is true. Like, what? Oh, this is a good one from Real Housewives intro, too. Why does he think certain shows like Real Housewives of Dallas and the Married to Medicine spinoffs have failed? It's, it's the cast. Yeah, the L.A., I, I tried to get it. I'm a TV junkie. I, I, I could not get into those women. I didn't care enough. My theory on why the Married to Medicine spinoffs failed, and I think, forget whose interview it was. I don't know if it was Heavenly or if it was Mariah or something, but they there wasn't enough people like Mariah. I think Mariah would have been an asset to be part of any of the spinoffs to like casting. They it, it almost felt like a bunch of white guys came in and said, let's recreate this show 100%. without actually having representation or somebody there that actually knows. You can't just recreate a group of black women yeah. and it's going to be the same. No. From a production standpoint, when they do to be continued, why does Bravo rely on them now? Like, when should they be used? Is it overused now? I think it's overused for Jersey. Like, can we stop? Let me... Obviously, it's, it's a trick to drive you into watching the next episode. We ne- we did it maybe... When I worked in Atlanta, and Atlanta had a lot of iconic moments, but we never... We didn't use it often. Make Listen, we did it for the Pillow Talk fight season six. You had to with someone's going on. Yeah, like we did it for season six once or twice, maybe. What are your favorite Atlanta seasons? Because mine are eight and nine, shockingly. Season six is number one for me. Eight and nine are my favorite seasons. Season nine is number two. I'll give you three. Season So season six, nine. Uh, you know what's so funny? I really did love season seven. I think season seven is so underrated. The Puerto Rico trip. I do too. Yeah. You know, Mimi, Mimi going on Cinderella and saying, bye bitches, I'm over you. We got to give Portia some major props on that season five monologue at the reunion that saved her job. Oh my God. I was rooting for her. So I didn't work on season five because I was doing love and hip hop. and. They, when I knew I was going back to season six, they said, well, can you be a part of the reunion? Season five, can you help us? And I remember saying to them, like, you guys, Portia's great. I don't see why she's on the bubble. I think she's great. I think, I think she has a lot of potential. So that monologue definitely saved her. I think she's also someone who we've seen evolve so much over her seasons. Yeah, she's not the same girl she was when I first met her. CLT Cub... 704 wants to know, would he ever come back to Bravo in any capacity? And which Housewives franchises does he watch? Yeah, of course. Now, listen, Bravo and I, we still talk. I'm developing some shows for them now. I've always, for the past couple of years, it's always been the case. It's hard to get a show greenlit nowadays. So I'm still in the Bravo business. I'm literally developing stuff for them right now. So yes, I would love to have a show on Bravo. I think it'll be a fun, full circle moment to do that. So fingers crossed that that happens. And what was the second question? Do you watch all the Housewives franchises? Yeah, I do. I watch them all. The the ones I don't watch consistently, like it needs to be a good season, is OC, New York, 
Those are the two that it, I, I, you got to give me a good season. Miami was the best. FYI. Oh, Miami, that reboot. Can we give that a 11 out of 10? Seriously. You know what was interesting? And this goes kind of goes back to like, you know, Salt Lake and B- Beverly Hills having these huge sort of stories going on with some of their cast members. The drama overall felt so light between the women. It did. And it was kind it was still just as enjoyable. It was like listen, it's what I keep saying. What people don't understand is you can't pick up the the formula and apply it to every city. You have to make each city special. Miami felt like Miami. And they were really friends. Gertie was really planning the wedding for Alexia. And she had her own interesting life. And they all knew each other. Marisol, like, it was a history. This is where I say, lean back into the friend role. We had, what, three friends? And they brought interesting dynamics. What would your housewife's tagline be? I started from the bottom. Now I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. Woo! Yes, Mr. Carlos King. I started from the bottom, baby. (laughs) Season one of Atlanta as an AP, baby. Amazing. Well, now tell everyone where they can find you. Can you give us any hints on Love and Marriage DC? Any, the new season of Huntsville is dropping when the new season of Huntsville just launched so every Saturday eight o'clock on the Oprah Winfrey Network Love and Marriage DC starring Monique Samuels formerly of the Real Housewives of Potomac launches Saturday May 14th at nine o'clock it is a fantastic season you guys are going to see a different side of Monique and Chris that you've never ever seen in Potomac and Monique is surrounded by a bevy of beauties. They are hilarious. Great personal story. They're beautiful. The first episode I just watched is fantastic. It's a great show. So stay tuned for that. Monique is back and she's better than ever. Yes. We love it. That's funny. And you can follow me on social media at King underscore and my new podcast called Reality with the King. It launches April 6th, every Wednesday and Friday. And subscribe now where you get all your podcasts. And just so you guys know, Little T, my first two episodes, I'm giving you guys my list of the top 10 greatest housewives of all time. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. Thank you so much for coming on. But now we said it, this is the best way to close out season two. Be sure to check out other podcasts from The Dip, including Hot Off The Mess with Samantha Bush, Pop Chaser, TV, Watch, Repeat, and the Slut Pig Podcast with Christian Gray Snow. And don't forget to visit thedip.com where you can get commentary and analysis from writers, editors, and fans who are just as passionate about pop culture as you are. That's The Dip with two peas.com and follow them on Instagram at The Dip. You can also follow me at Faces by Bravo where we can keep in touch until next time. And as always, but now we said it.